C-I-T-Y, you can see why these guys, the neat guys, more in street wise. C-I-T-Y, you can see why these guys, the neat guys, more in street wise. See guys, pull those looks in street. Hey everybody, it's Heavy Hitters, and we're back again for another amazing episode. It's your host tonight, Yuri, kicking it here with Alex. Hey everyone, we're looking forward to shooting this episode. We've been talking about it for a while. We're trying to give the crowd what they want, what they need. Um, I'm trying to give myself what I need, and I need some money. So today, Yuri, we're going to be talking about money, right? Absolutely, you got it. We're going to be talking about rough times called for rough measures. That's right. And yeah, we're going to be talking about basically how all over the world... How and what people do, and what extremes they go through. Sounds like you're talking about a struggle. Absolutely, man. A struggle. That's right. Struggle. That's what we're going to be talking about. And, um,. You see, they say that money is the root of all evil. But money is also the root of all things created, good and evil. See, rather than simply putting a childish and oversimplistic label on money, calling it either either good or bad, why not just agree that money in reality is energy? I need a lot of energy. <laughs> I need energy to function. I need energy to live. I need energy to be me. Absolutely. Give me some of that energy, Yuri. Pass that. Yo, for real. Uh, you see, it really matters what you do with money and uh, how you how we acquire it, uh, how we put it into play. You know, it really, it, it matters how we, we have the power to control it. So you're talking it, about power in a sense. Absolutely. Money, power, when used in the right way, equals respect. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah. See, I believe in money. That's right, and you definitely will see the light. Uh, because, as I was saying, how, you see, we people have the power to put everything of this earth into play in, in the proper way. And we've been doing it for centuries. Uh, you know, we've been using our resources of, the, of this earth, uh, all the everything that God has given us, whether you believe in God or not, everything has, that nature has given us, everything that exists on planet Earth, we've been using it, abusing it, <laughs> destroying it, or creating it. Are you telling us that we should all go green? <laughs> well, maybe, but we'll see at the end of the, at the end of the episode. Really, what the main message of this all, uh, you know, of what all this is. But first, I was going to ask you, what do you think about this whole idea of? Putting money into play in the correct way. How do we do it? And have, have we been doing it the right way? Uh, have or we, have you been personally doing it the right way? Maybe you could sh shed some light on, on that a little bit. I mean, it, it almost sounds like you're asking me four different questions in one. It's <laughs> a little hard to say, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, I, I think there's nothing scarier than having no money. As a teacher... 
I am privileged. Not because being broke and a teacher both go hand in hand, but because I feel like I am truly privileged, man. Like I am able to basically make money by working from home. I get paid to Zoom with your kid who you are sick and tired of. Um, is money important? I mean, I would need to be really good looking to get myself a sugar mama <laughs> if I didn't have money. So, I mean, yeah, man, my genetics just did not give me that. Uh-huh. Uh, what, so, what did, you, what did your genetics give you? A big nose and a really bad attitude. <laughs> rhythm and a beard, perhaps? I think it gave me rhythm and beard, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, you're set, bro. Who doesn't want rhythm and a beard? I want rhythm and women. <laughs> well, you know, if you get money, you'll get, you'll get the women. If you get gasoline, are you going to be able to fill up your car? <laughs> touche, man. Touche. Um, you know, people will go through extreme measures. As I mentioned earlier, how rough times call for, call for rough measures. So people really will go through extreme measures to get that money or to get women. Uh, kind of how we spoke about in our last episode. All, all about what it takes to get women and all. Uh, but a lot of this comes out... A lot of it comes down Spoke to... Spoke about a double standard. Is there a double standard in money? Absolutely, man. There is. Uh, you see, because so many people all over the world, they struggle to survive, right? And we here in this country or in many other Western countries, uh, like many parts of Western Europe and uh, you know the U.S. and Canada pretty much, we here take it for granted we take we take for uh, for granted all these uh, privileges it almost uh, sounds like you're saying we're spoiled well we are in a way we are because we have so much and you know it actually is very contradictory um, if you travel around the United States a little bit now you know I haven't been everywhere but just traveling around just a bit you'll actually notice a lot of poverty in, in America in America uh, now I have not seen this in many other parts of Europe where I've also been also the Middle East, um, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. But in America, definitely seen much poverty, people just getting by, you know. But I think if you analyze that a little closer, just getting by here in this country really could be uh, could, uh, could be defined as having it all somewhere else, you know? What you're saying is that the homeless guy going dumpster diving near Penn Station is considered to be amazing in another country. He's there. I've made it, man. In a way, yes. Well, because this homeless man here in this country, A, can receive food food stamp uh, benefits, can receive Section 8 housing, uh, can receive uh, basically everything that a human being needs to survive. You're saying he has more access to governmental support than he would in another country. Absolutely. For example, uh, in, in Bangladesh, uh, many people there, if maybe 90% of the people there live below the poverty line. And the dream, I don't want to call it the American dream, but maybe if you, the Bangladeshi dream, if you will, of making it, quote-unquote, really is going to Dubai. Going to Dubai. Why? Because... Dubai, for all intents and purposes, is one of the most richest, if not the most wealthiest Arabic country or Middle Eastern country. And um, they often recruit people from other uh, less less fortunate Muslim nations. And they rec- they really recruit them to be slaves in those co- in, in countries like 
the UAE, you know, the United Arab Emirates, and uh, it, it's it's really, you know, they they go they they promise them everything, they promise them the world, they're gonna give, they're gonna get paid all this money and everything, and they are, but what you don't know is you know they take away their passports, uh, they can't leave the country, and they're really made to, to work almost twenty four seven. I mean they work they. From what I read, they work about 20 to 21 hours a day. How one does that, I don't know, man. That sounds like America. They could be in one of the richest and one of the supposedly best countries in the planet only to not have a stake in any of it. Basically. Basically. But that is the Bangladeshi dream because there's nothing for them to look forward to in their own country, which is quite sad. And if you think about it, most of the planet lives that way, the way... People in Bangladesh, like live. the Bangladesh, or the people in Dubai, or the people in huh. Bangladesh working twenty-two hours a day. Well, it's really kind of either or, uh, meaning like it's really both. I mean, I'll uh, go with the people that are living in Dubai that are from Dubai. <laughs> well, I like that. We're not talking about them. They they got it all, but a very small percentage of the world actually live that way. Um, most people in the world, they go through a lot of rough times, and uh, they do. Whatever they can to survive. Uh, because we human beings, we're hardwired and programmed to survive. It's just our nature. Uh, but in many parts of the third world, this is exactly what they do. And they go through extreme measures. Well, uh, some of the things that they do is, uh, you know, oftentimes they're indebted to either the government or to uh, the ma- mafia thugs. Who have lent them money at, uh, at some point in the past? What you're saying is that there's corruption, regardless of what you do or what. Or not what only corruption. Absolutely, but not so only. You're cor- saying we have nothing to look forward to. Even if you're in Dubai, you will get effed in the ass because you're just not going to make it. In in most cases, you're not, not unless you already come from money. And it sounds deeply pessimistic, but true. <laughs> Dude, I mean... It's true! Yeah, you know what I mean? Pessimistic but true, man. That could be like a new slogan. Pessimistic but true. We could like write that on t-shirts. I was just just thinking that. PBT. (laughs) PBT. Right, PBT. Pessimistic but true. Deal with it. Hashtag and a lot of things with that. (laughs) Deal with it. Yo, but on the rail, in countries um, such as Thailand and many other parts of Southeast Asia, parents will even turn to selling their own children into slavery just to make ends meet and you know, pay off their debts to, as I mentioned earlier, to some of these thugs or even the government. And, uh, you know, some of us may think, wow, that's a savage move. And it is in many cases. However, what, what should one do if you don't have any money to continue living? And you probably shouldn't be selling your kids. I don't care how poor you are. I mean, what are you going to get some milk and eggs for, like, a kid? I mean, how... It doesn't sound human. Not at all. It doesn't sound just morally corrupt, but it sounds something that is beneath what my dog would ever consider doing. You see, uh... My dog would never sell his puppy. I could give him the best treats in the world. He will never sell his puppy. Sounds unnatural, right? To you and I. But you see, in, uh, in Thailand, for example, from what I read, and according to uh, many different sources, sex slavery has been around from the 1300s, meaning the 14th century. That's how far it goes back. 
And it's an accepted trade to an extent, which sounds crazy to think. It might think. sound a little insensitive, but will these children sell off their children too because they now think that this is normal and it's become a tradition, so to speak? Or are they going to be so traumatized that they'll go above and beyond to do good by their children and to never put them in that situation? Well, according to some research that I've done, in the past... Is it the, tradition or is it trauma? That's almost what we're trying to understand. I think it's tradition that stems from trauma. That's what I think. Uh, you know, so it's tra- tradition that came as a result of trauma. Yeah, as a result of ha- not having any money and as a result of nearly dying, I suppose. So uh, this tradition came about. You know, and, uh, and just as farming came about from... St- Starving, probably. People didn't have any food, so they started farming. They learned how to farm. And in these countries, they learned how to, I guess, sell, sell their own children or many other things that they do. Uh, and they had, uh, they had to learn this trade. And, but nowadays, however, and for a long time, for the past maybe 20, 30 years, uh, there's been a lot of public outrage regarding, uh, regarding all this, uh, regarding selling children into sex slavery and, uh, you know... There have been many protests well, I about people it. People aren't too happy. No, not at all, not at all. So it's interesting you ask me about like, you know, has has it always been the case? Where are uh, they? Where they accepted it, or uh, you know, were they outraged by it? Meaning like, you know, were they, will these same children, or did these same children that were sold sell their? Uh, sir? Well, I guess the bigger question is: Does the society, in a sense, almost condone? what the parents are doing or is it an abhorrent practice that is hush hush that no one ever admits to doing it probably was hush hush for many years and again i'm just going off of the research that i've done i've never lived in these countries and you've never sold your kid (laughs) no thank god okay god forbid i've never sold a kid right i have a lot of students i sometimes think about selling them (laughs) oh man but I mean, I haven't had any buyers, and should I be sending my kids to to the school you teach at? I would have to pay them money to take those kids. <laughs> I don't think they would pay me money. <laughs> but I've definitely thought about it. Oh man! Just kidding. My students are awesome. I love <laughs> well, I'm, them. I'm glad you think so. I think kids. I think all kids are awesome, by the way. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these people in these uh, in the in many countries of the third world do whatever it takes. I mean, and, you know, it's easy to judge them. Oh, this is wrong. And, you know, we're not condoning them either. You know, this is, these are terrible things that they're doing. These are actually, these are crimes to our understanding. And not just to our understanding, but to, uh, to any human being's moral code, this would be wrong. I mean, You're saying this is, in a sense, the last and only resort. Right. It's kind of like if you're drowning, you know... Would you drown somebody else in order to stay alive? Now, you may tell me no, but of course you would. And in the heat of the moment, you would drown somebody else. Meaning, they're drowning their own kids, though. Right. They're drowning them inside of the walls of a brothel. When you're, when you're on an airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first before you can help anybody else. It's kind of the same logic. There's always an attractive lady doing it. I'm always just watching her click her seatbelt and just show me. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a reason. Uh, well, there's also a reason for the attractive. Lady. I wouldn't know how to put my mask on. I would definitely need help. Right. 
I would hope there's a person kind and dumb enough to help me first. Right. So, that's <laughs> good. You see... Now, why do I feel like you wouldn't help me? You would first put on your own mask and just dip. And then you would point to the instructional manual and be like, yo, come on, Alex. You got to get with the program here, man. Save yourself first. I mean, yeah, that's human nature, though. Bullshit, man. <laughs> Bullshit. You started to sound like me. I think we switched roles here. You know, I'm like, upset. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the socialist over here. <laughs> I want someone to save me first. It makes me feel better. Right. You see, like, human nature is one thing. And, you know, as human nature... And women are more nurturing. I think a woman would save me first. I doubt that. I don't think so. I think a nice woman would save me faster than a man. Somehow, I don't think so. It's you don't a think get- a woman would save me. I don't think a man or a woman would save so me. I have zero chance. <laughs> I think what you're saying is that if the airplane goes down, and I don't get that shit straight, I don't figure out how to adjust my mask, how to blow into it and inflate it, and then wrap it around my eyebrows and then put it down my face, that I'm done. Well, sadly to say, I was it's out, terrible. Yeah. It is terrible, right? But again, human nature. Unless we change it. Is that even possible? I don't know. But the Soviets have tried. They've tried changing human nature. They've tried helping others first. Helping society first. Right? They've done all the... uh, They've tried this experiment for nearly 75 years. 75? Yeah, 75 years. Where do you you get that from? Well, 1917 to uh, 1991. I believe it's about 75 years. My math. 19, hold on. 91 <laughs> minus 17. Yeah. It's 74. 74. Boom. Common core math, baby. Well, uh, I, I think, no, they say 75 because I think it, it officially ended. I mean, it sounds better. No, no, no. no. It officially ended in January of 19, uh, January 1st, 1992. Okay. So that's why they say 75. But anyway, the Soviets have really tried changing human nature and really living for the sake of society. Really. Yeah, so they definitely have tried this. Uh, I need mayonnaise and vodka after that. <laughs> you know, but sadly to say, they weren't successful. And uh, after, after years of suffering... Uh, within the Soviet regime, people weren't happy. They didn't have the materialistic well, things. I mean, our families, you know, you and I, we're both from the former Soviet Union. I think our families, you know, our, our grandparents were able to vouch that they were not happy. Not at all. Not in the slightest. Uh, even though... Uh, it they sound- weren't selling their children, but they were pretty pissed. It sounds like a paradise, the Soviet Union, mm. on paper. Uh, because everybody had a job. Everybody had food. Mm-hmm. You had to wait in line for it. And you had to go to different uh, different departments to get it. Like there was actual... Uh, I've actually done, I've done some uh, some research. So, uh, the, the you know, I don't remember this from my own memory. I was too young. Uh, but in the USSR, they had separate stores. It was just a meat store where you buy only meat products. And there was a dairy store. There was a fruit store, vegetables, every, all individual stores. It wasn't like a one big supermarket. There was no, uh, there was no concept of a Walmart or a key food. <laughs> it's just separate, uh, different 
departments. So it's like a major. If you're majoring in meat, then you're selling meat. That's it. That's all you do. That's if all you're you majoring do. in fruits, you're the fruit expert. Absolutely. Uh, but they, everybody had what they need, basically. They, they all had what they needed. It, it was sometimes, excuse my French, it was a bitch to get. It took you a long time. It took you, uh, you know, you had to go through a little bit of suffering because, you know, you didn't get it in such a easy my manner. My father has that. He won't get his cereal in the same store that he gets his milk. You see what I mean? He's used to it. He wow. won't get his vegetables in the same place that he gets his... I'm serious. He he will go to a different place along Brighton Beach Avenue. He claims that it's better in this store. Oh, the eggs are not the same in that store. You got to get the eggs another five blocks down. I'm like, just get your fucking groceries, Dad. Right? Like, but what are we doing here, I man? I think the Soviet Union has really programmed him to... Uh, to uh, to go to, to go to stores. sixteen different shopping stores I mean, to get some milk and was. eggs. That's how it was. But you know, throughout it's ridiculous, man. It is. It is. But you know, if but again, if you think about it, throughout all that programming and propaganda and all that, and trying to change society and make it into this paradise, it didn't work out. And Russia has fallen back uh, to, in many ways, it has become a third world country to an extent. Where drugs, gangs, and violence and prostitution became rampant in the 1990s. What you're saying is that you're still broke and pissed. Yeah. That was actually a clip from Oxymiron. I don't actually mention a lot of the tracks that we play little clips of. But I had to make a shout out to Oxymiron, one of my favorite Russian rappers, actually. Does he, like, have a stake in this? <laughs> he does not. Um, I'm not going to pay him in vodka, I swear. No, I'm no, we're not going to pay him. But, uh, you know, what he's rapping about is basically the drugs and the violence mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a lot of the a lot of the struggles that Russia has uh, begun going through after the fall of the USSR. And uh, throughout the years, as Russia progressed uh, towards the 21st century, uh, they've moved on to a much higher, cleaner level of illegal activity. <laughs> they moved on. They moved on from, you know, gangbanging and prostitution and all that kind of, like, low, uh, low, I guess, low things, you might say. They moved on to hacking. And, yes, many people that think that Russia hacked the 2016 election, well, that is true to a large extent. And there is proof of that, whether or not Vladimir Putin wants to admit it or not. <laughs> To tell you true, there's not good position to be put in. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's not. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, listen, um, Yuri, I think we're lucky enough to live in a first world country where, I mean, if you just look at the reality of it, right? Like the worst case scenario, I don't want to sound like I'm not sensitive to, you know, most of the working poor and everyone that is struggling, Um Myself included, perhaps not not as much as others, but I think worst case scenario, right? If you are working minimum wage and let's say your boss is giving you that forty hour work week, you know you're making fifteen dollars an hour working forty hour work week. It's not that bad. I mean, I worked in group homes throughout all of undergrad and grad school for eleven an hour, and this was only a couple of years ago. This was in two. This was in two thousand and thirteen. Wow! So you're talking about seven years ago. I made four dollars below the current minimum wage in twenty twenty today, 
And I, I mean, I don't know. I was somehow able to pay my rent and be lazy enough to eat out like four fucking days a week. <laughs> what were you eating four days a week? Sushi and pizza. Um, kale, if I would feel bad. Plain kale? Pizza, sushi, and kale. What else can a man want? Then you're like a true hipster. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Hmm. But let's speak, let's speak about what we can do here. Uh, so let, let, let's speak about what can we do about poverty. And I don't mean trying to solve it because truthfully, you and I can't solve it. And the, the average person cannot solve even poverty, cannot solve poverty even in America, let alone the world. And, you know, granted people have tried. Uh, but what, what, let's speak about what, what one can do in America or, I don't know, say in England or Canada or Germany perhaps. It's probably very similar. Uh, what can one do to make some money? Now, from what I know, from what I know, is that there are a lot of gig opportunities in this country. And many people have already begun taking advantage of them. When you uh, say the word gig, I think of like a wedding singer or like a 1990s DJ played by Adam <laughs> Sandler. I don't know. Like, like what exactly is a gig? That's a gig too, actually. And I probably started off like that. A wedding singer. Yeah, that's a gig. That's a gig. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking of when you say the word gig. Well, we've gone on to many other type of gigs. For example, uh, the ones that are, the ones that require apps and the ones that require uh, technology. In many ways, technology has solved the problem of poverty. For example, um, cab drivers didn't make a lot of money back in the day, unless you were a New York City cab, yellow cab driver. Then you did. But aside from New York, outside of New York City yellow cab driving, you did not make money being a car service or taxi driver any other in any other country ever in any other city in America. You're leading us into a conversation about Uber. Absolutely. Now, I myself have done Uber for a, n- a number of years already. And I'll tell you your average Uber driver in New York makes about 70 grand a year. I kid you not. And I would imagine in many other parts of the country outside of New York City, they're making about 50, which is not a bad salary if you live in like Arkansas. I'm going to start moonlighting as an Uber driver. <laughs> I mean, this is not bad. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, along with Uber, there are many other apps that have come out, uh, such as... What do you do if you have to go to the bathroom? I always heard yellow cab drivers, they always complain about not being able to go to the bathroom. What do you do if you're in an Uber well, all day you, know, you don't want to go to the bathroom? <laughs> it's very funny. I mean, really, like, what do you do? It's very funny that you ask. I don't even know if I could say this on a podcast. But see, you but can what... say anything in a podcast, man. <laughs> I guess so. We, we don't have to abide by FCC rules, right? No, we don't. Right, that's awesome. So what I do is... Fuck the FCC. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, shit. I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yo, so, I don't... I suppose that's probably old school style where you actually use a bottle. No, I, I open my doors, my two doors, my rear door and my front door, and I just kind of... for yourself. Not everyone can fit into a bottle. Right, so I, I, don't, I don't do it in a bottle, that's what I'm saying. You I, don't do it in a bottle. No, I, I just uh, I let it go in between my doors where nobody, no one can see me, and I just... Well, you can't do it if you're in Midtown Manhattan. Well, you know, I pull... I, no, in Midtown it's a little hard, but I, I pull off like on a... Even in Midtown, actually, I've done it. Uh, like somewhere oh, to like to me, that sounds like lewd conduct. <laughs> no, no, no. I almost enjoy saying that lewd conduct. Lewd conduct. That's lewd conduct, sir. Yeah, I mean, you drive into like you know Ninth Avenue, where like uh, where the bums you hang drive out, a block but... away from the most central block in the entire Absolutely. borough, 
drive one block off and now, yes, and now yes. you can be. Now you can. Okay. You know where? But the Port Authority bus terminal, there's a bunch of bums there anyway. And even though they're like standing kind of basically right there, they don't care if you're You're in, in one of the them. most populated parts of all five boroughs with eight and a half million people. And you're saying it's okay to urinate there. Yeah, absolutely, man. It is. It is. But you know what else is okay? It's okay to work as a gig worker. Uh, because, you're, A, you're making above minimum wage. B, you have the, the freedom to work whenever you want. What else do you not have a boss over you? You get to have the freedom to work whenever you want. You get it's, to make up your own hours. Absolutely. It sounds like a dream come true. You don't need to call sick by, I don't feel well. No, none of that. None of that. If uh, you're sick, you're sick. If you're not and you don't feel like going to work, that's fine. Yeah. Take, a, take, take off the day. Take off two days. Take off a week until you feel better. So I suppose all these companies uh, like, such as Uber and um, Instacart and... Um, Instacart. What's that? <laughs> that's actually where you go shopping for, for other people. So instead of, you know, Uber, you transport people. Instacart, you transport food. Is it food or is it groceries? Groceries. I mean, I mean groceries, yeah. Food is Uber, Uber Eats. Okay, so and I'm... And Postmates. Okay, so I'm, I'm now, during this quarantine, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been doing. You don't know if I've been social distancing. But you, you now are going to use an app to have me put my dirty hands on your groceries and deliver them directly to your house absolutely you make it sound dirty though i mean you don't know where i've been from the time i got your groceries to the time i'm dropping them off in your overpriced studio in brooklyn <laughs> well you see it's kind of like ordering a delivery uh you know for uber eats or any other okay. restaurants even before uber eats was even available well, you know takeout food has been around for God knows, 30, 40 years maybe since this the This is just like takeout food, except this with groceries. Basically, it's the same thing. It's the same idea. Yeah, except you're getting groceries instead of greasy takeout. True, true. Yeah. And, you know, all these companies, as I mentioned, all these, uh, you know, they they make it sound like this amazing dream that has come true, right? Uh, but really what they fail to mention is that they're not paying you any, they're not giving you any benefits. They're not paying for your medical care. They're not paying for, um, for uh, your, the money is not going into your, towards your pension. Uh, you know, basically, they're not giving you anything. They're using you as a slave for them, for their purposes. Well, isn't that expected when you're working a gig? You might say it is. But, but again, what about what we were talking about earlier um, you know, at the beginning of our podcast here? At the beginning of this You're episode. saying other countries don't get a chance to have a gig, but we still have that opportunity. Shitty or not, it's an opportunity that other people don't have. Precisely. Hmm. Uh, and not only that, but this is a way to make an improvement, right? Like, instead of uh, being this selfish, uh, you know, this kind of selfish uh, person that only cares about his or her own survival... And would kill others to survive. This is more of like a collective force in a way, where we um, we can we focus on one thing, somebody else focuses on another. It's more like um, like uh, a plant, like a like a plant worker, you know, like um, what do I call it? 
there's more unity. It's like right. a, it's like a factory belt. in a way. Yes, like a, a conveyor con- belt. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So where where everyone does one specific thing or one or two specific things, and it all kind of works simultaneously. Team, team effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot like the USSR, except this is done differently. This is done to make a profit. So let's just get this straight. I, I mean, Thailand aside, um, Thailand aside, rather, I, I, I get depressed just thinking about it. It sounds awful. Um, during this time, you know, Yuri, we promised we weren't going to talk about COVID-19. I don't want to talk about that. I don't think anybody wants to talk about it at this point. I think we're all pretty sick of it. Um, we all need it to be gone. Um, what are some jobs that we can do in America, in New York City, or in any other of the other 49 states, what other jobs, what other sources of income can we do if we are desperate for cash? You mean besides gig work? Well, I mean, you've mentioned the gigs. You've mentioned the Instacart. You've mentioned Uber. What if you can't land those gigs? Is there anything you can do when you're desperate and eager to just really make money. I mean, what can you do? Well, uh, if you're referring to the fact that a lot of these gig, uh, gig jobs require you to have a vehicle of your own, then I guess you might be out of luck. Yeah, we're in New don't... York, man. A lot of us just have bikes, if even. But people deliver food on bikes. I mean, when I ordered Uber Eats, so I can do Instacart on a bike. bike. So I can do Instacart on a bicycle. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that might be a little hard for you. Okay. But you can deliver my uh, my greasy burger. I might have to get a scooter. I might yeah. get a scooter. You could do that. I'll get a hoverboard if I really want to look cool. <laughs> but now, now you sound like you're talking about Back to the Future or something. Hoverboards. <laughs> I mean, I could barely stand on that thing on my own. Imagine carrying like 20-pound bags and standing on a hoverboard. <laughs> I'd have to be a fucking acrobat. <laughs> right? But can't, I think we could all agree on the fact that we have a lot of opportunities in this country and that even the poorest of the poor in America have a roof over their head a free cell phone, okay, My cell phone's food. not free. Well, yours is not, but, you know, if you're below a certain income, if you make below $16,000 a year in this country, you'll get a free phone in all 50 states of the United States. A smartphone? No, you get a, you know. You a get flip a phone. phone like we're traveling yeah, yeah. 20 years back? Basically, but you'll okay. have a phone. You'll have food. You'll have shelter. And you'll have clothing. What you're saying is that no matter how bad we have it, we will never have to sell our children. Absolutely. Mm. And I think we could be grateful for that. Uh, you know, I personally, I'm not one to be uber patriotic. <laughs> um, uh, You've been cheating on Uber. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant Uber like, uh, you know. Oh, I thought you're not patriotic to Uber like, <laughs> as a job. No, I meant we're not like, you know. I mean, I know that Lyft looks kind of good. Oh, it can be because sometimes you, you, you've thought about it. When it came, you know, when Lyft came out, I actually, you know, I, you stuck in a few glances. I, I, stuck, I stuck in, yeah. It was you good. thought about yeah, it, yeah. You know, thought about it. But back to what I was saying is that, you know, no matter how bad we have it, yeah, we can. Uh, we always, we've always had it better, and we still have it better than a lot of these other countries of the uh, of the world, and we could be grateful for that. In, you know. The fact that in this country and many other Western countries, we're able to survive without uh, going through these extreme measures. Uh, some people, some people may disagree with me, but this is fact in many, in many of the 
in many Western countries, and we hope that you know that things change in the third world and many other parts of the world. We hope that as time goes on, maybe technology, maybe other uh, other things may come out to help this problem. But tell us, yeah, I mean, so I I think that what we've kind of decided today was that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that. You know, the Soviet Union tried to get it right. They didn't. Um, Thailand is maybe trying, but they're not there yet. America's trying. I, I don't know if Thailand is trying. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, don't, yeah. I, I think that the U.S. is trying. We're also not there yet. I don't, th- I don't think anyone's there yet. No, true, true, true. But what you're saying is that we can appreciate the fact that we can live in at least some sort of mild to moderate comfort no matter how poor we really are, we do have access and we should consider ourselves lucky in a way. Yes, definitely, definitely. But let me know. We want to know what you guys think. And you can leave us comments and questions on our Facebook page regarding us to some of the things that you may have done before and some of the things that you're doing currently at the moment to make ends meet or to make extra money on the side or whatever it may be. Tell us what you think. And share some of your feedback on uh, on things that that we've been saying on the struggle. And yes, the struggle is real, my friends. But you know what? Our episode is also real, but the end has come to this amazing episode. And we'll catch you guys next time. And catch you next time. So just chill to the next episode.